All right, if there's any background noise, if there's any distracting, loud machinery, it's because my neighbors across the street are, oh, you know, just installing a zip line. I can't tell if that's cool or not. The amount of kids that are about to break their bones in my neighborhood is about to increase exponentially. There's your big word of the day. It's brought to you by Vans. We're off the wall. Just kidding. I have no sponsors, but that would have been a perfect time to drop it in. Zipline. And they're doing it right now. So you could hear all of the construction. They didn't hire anybody either. It's just the people who live there. Now they're up in a tree, nailing and drilling things and putting together a zipline for the kiddos. So when my daughter's old enough, this will be enticing. And she'll say, Daddy, can I go across the street and please shatter my femur? And I'll say, of course, darling, of course you may. Things are heating up in this neighborhood. Heating up. The amount of people walking their dogs without leashes also increasing. And guess what? I like it. Need a little more of that. I realize it sounds dangerous if you're on a busy road, but I'm not. I'm not. Let all the dogs off the leashes. Let's just turn this into a big dog park. No more of that cautious. Is he nice? Is he nice? Can he say hi? Can he say hi? Yes, he's a 13-year-old beagle. Have you ever seen an aggressive beagle? I mean, I get it. I get it. You have to ask. Is he nice? Can my dog say hello? Yeah, I mean, they could sniff each other. But just so you know this breed, you'll never read about a beagle attack. Eva. All right, I think it's finally time to bring up what happened. After 11 years, you got to love this dramatic buildup to nothing. After 11 years, uh, hope you're sitting down for this. My TV broke. And you're like, who who gives a shit? Well, I'll tell you what. 11 years ago, I was at Best Buy in San Diego in Mission Valley. And I walked in and I said, I'm only going to spend this amount of money. Said it to myself. And I think I even said it out loud. And then when the first guy in the blue shirt walked up to me and said, what are you looking for? I was like, the best TV you got? He's like, come with me. Cool guy. You like sports? I was like, yeah, I like sports a lot. He's like, here, come with me. Made it left, made it right. He knew where to go. And he showed me the most expensive Samsung. And this is the first time in my life I ever financed anything. I was like, all right, here's what I've got. But I don't have enough. Like Adam Sandler and the wedding singer trying to get a loan. I keep this jar on top of my fridge and... uh hoping to fill it with more money. And that's when he introduced to me the idea of, oh, you don't need all the money. You just pay a little bit every month for the rest of your life. I said, yeah, let's make it happen because it really looked good. And this was my first high def TV. This was the jump from low def or standard def or whatever they call it, just grainy and awful to the world of high def. Now that is the most extreme jump. I know what you're thinking. Isn't it from black and white TV to color TV? I don't know, but from low def to high def, that changed sports. And that was the moment where you're like, I guess I don't need to buy tickets to games anymore. I mean, if you like the environment of live sports, that's great. But what high def did to a football game, a baseball game, golf, tennis, the Olympics, any sport changed the game. So I bought it. I bought it and I paid it off eventually, actually, probably recently. And then just last week, watching March Madness, D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D, done, boom, black. It's not the provider, it's not a power outage, it finally happened. It's like the final scene in the final episode of The Sopranos. You go, what? Is it done? 
and you walk toward the TV, and yeah, it's done. The Sopranos finale, for somebody like me that didn't even watch the series, I thought it was brilliant. Make everybody think that their TV broke, that they have to walk towards their screen, at least I did. I remember that night, walking towards my TV like, oh shit, that's an awful time to have a bit of an outage, and then nope, don't stop believing. Hit the credits. That series is over. Well, that was the feeling I had during March Madness. It's the greatest sporting event in the world. Yeah, I said it. Better than the Super Bowl, the World Series, the NBA Finals. Oh, yeah. Better than the World Cup. March Madness is so wonderful on so many levels. All right, I guess mainly the gambling level, but still, it's the beauty of sports. I know there's some ugliness to it, the amount of money being generated and these players receiving nothing. But their tuition, hey, they get their tuition because they're so invested in education at that point. These blue chip athletes, man, it's nice that they do have time to make it to practice because I assume they're doing biology labs all throughout the day. But now this tournament captures the great intensity of sports, buzzer beaters, underdogs, Cinderella's, regional matchups. There's like true heartbreak. And in the end, it's all senseless. What I mean by that is it just crowns the hottest team. Maybe not the best team, but you crown the hottest team in the nation. Well, yeah, that's your champ. You catch fire for a few weeks. Boom, there you go. And I love seeing the one seeds fall. I love it. But I wasn't seeing anything because my TV broke. Adios. Done. And it's interesting, the TV access that I rely on now, that I should have the ability to see every single game. Every single game, CBS, TBS, True TV, TNT, every single game. Very recently, you only saw it on CBS. And it wasn't every website and app streaming the games, but I even remember in 1997, my teacher, Mr. Nice, little shout out right there. I remember between classes, he was the one who organized all of our brackets. And there was no web, there was no internet keeping our scores tracking the brackets, he would run to his car and get scores on the old radio and then by hand as if he's grading papers, but really he's just scoring brackets. He would do the whole tournament. It was great. I forget if we paid to get involved. That might be illegal to gamble with students. I think it is. But I remember Nice put it all together And I finished in the top three. I believe that's a detail you need to know. It's the year Arizona went all the way with Miles Simon. One of those guys who just had an incredible college career, big-time tournament, and then fizzled quickly in the NBA. There's a long list of guys like that where you get excited to watch their careers because you watched them for a couple of weeks in the big dance, and then you go, what happened to that guy? What happened to you? Jimmer, Jimmer, Jimmer for debt. From China back to the big leagues. I loved Jimmer. I know as a San Diego State alum, we're not supposed to say that, but Jimmer was fun. Jimmer received more verbal abuse than any player I've ever seen. Just people going a little too hard at the old Mormon faith. BYU, such an easy target for those lowbrow rebellious student sections but jimmer what would he do yeah just drain a few from 50 feet out which i guess is normal in the game today the way these guys shoot threes that's weird that it's now normal to just pull up fast break yeah pull up for a three you're seven feet behind the arc yeah just pull up pull up for a three 
Okay, so this go around, TV broken, immediately I say, I got to get a TV. It's the big dance. It's the tournament. So I go back to Best Buy. And yes, they still exist. Amazon has not put them out of business. That'll probably happen in the next three to four hours. But if you walk into Best Buy, nothing has changed. I guess the TVs are a little more modern, but still, the guys in the blue shirts, the same exact layout. I can't put my finger on it, but it's a depressing atmosphere. All the employees are like moping. You know, and they know they have to come up to you. Hey, what do you need? Uh, A TV. And this one big guy came up to me. I think he was about seven foot three, 412 pounds. I'm just eyeballing it. I'm just eyeballing it. But a huge guy comes up to me and he goes, yeah, follow me. And he starts to show me the wall of beauty. It's like that scene from the 40 year old virgin with Michael McDonald just singing. She came from somewhere back in her long ago. What the hell is he ever singing? The Doobie Brothers? I don't know those lyrics. Just like most songs. But I said to him straight up, I said, I had a Samsung and I loved it. And he shows me the Samsungs and he looks disappointed. And then I said to him, isn't Samsung the best? And he just shook his head. No. I said, what is? And he goes, come with me. And he shows me an LG. And the way he sells an LG. Now he perks up. Yeah, it's got three billion more colors than you've ever seen. Your last TV was garbage. This is, you know, Shangri-La. Talking about your iris and your lens. And he had like science of my eyeballs and distance. You should be sitting from your TV. He's like, you know, you probably need a 75 inch. And he was good. Because I was listening. I was like, well, I never, never thought I needed a TV that big and that expensive and that clear. But I'm listening. And he's going on and on and on and on about LG, LG. And I go, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, LG. And then I look at his name tag. It says LG representative. So yeah, Best Buy actually hires people to push certain brands. And they still get to put on that prestigious blue shirt. But come on, you're pushing me the LG? And yeah, I bought it. I mean, that's how the story ends. He's like, it's not in stock. You want to drive to Panole? I said, yeah, I guess I have to drive to Panole. And then he's like, well, the sound on the TV sucks. It's really terrible. So how about a $1,000 sound bar? And I looked at my wife and she's just nodding like, yeah, we do need a sound bar. He could have said anything right there. And I've been like, yeah, we need it. But the sound bar, he goes over to the computer and just starts typing. I don't think he's actually typing anything. I think this is just a performance. And then he comes back, he goes, I have a mind bending deal. He actually said that verbatim. I have a mind bending deal. I'm going to throw in the sound bar for 350 bucks. You're going to throw in the soundbar for 350 bucks. And then he goes, this TV, it's usually 1079. I'm going to drop that to 900. Why aren't I Googling throughout this fiasco? Which I do later, later at Google. Turns out they're charging me way too much for the soundbar and the TV. So I bring it all home. I get back from Panol, hook it all up. And guess what? It's shitty. It's not my Samsung. It's not my wheelhouse, my Samsung which this guy insulted. He actually said, Samsung, you buy that TV? It'll break in four years. A Best Buy employee actually said that to me. It'll break in four years. What do you mean break? You expecting me to run full speed through it? Do I look unstable to you? Or do you mean it will just stop working in four years? That's an insane proclamation, Mr. LG rep. So night number two with my LG, I just look at my wife and say, I can't, I can't. Just like all five mattresses that I couldn't sleep on. I go, I can't. And she agreed. She's like, yeah, my eyes hurt. And I know we could adjust all of the brightness and the contrast and the HD and the HDMI and the STTP and all these acronyms. I have no clue what they mean. 
But I just said, you know what? It's only 8 p.m. They're open till 9. And in my sweats, you know, looking like a man who DJs a hobo rave, I just took the TV right out of the wall, threw it back in the box, threw it in my car, and drove to Best Buy like Michael Douglas and falling down. Angry. And he wasn't there. The big guy, who I think was about eight foot two, 724 pounds, the big guy wasn't there. Instead, a guy walks up to me with another blue shirt on, and this guy, much smaller, I think he was three foot six, maybe 61 pounds, less intimidating. And I said, I need a Samsung stat. And he just said, Follow me. Points to one, I said, I'll take it. It was the fastest transaction in TV history. And that's what happened. So now I'm back watching hoops on the old Samsung. Actually, not the old Samsung, but the new one. This whole idea that 4K is superior. Oh, you need 4K. I don't know. I don't see a difference. HD to 4K. This is not some big leap in the TV world. I don't even think we need to get better. I'm seeing it clearly. I don't think we need anything better than this. I like to plateau with my tech advancements. Can't we just stop? Let's stop. Let's stop. I don't need to feel anything else. I don't need your soundbar. I don't need your 3D goggles. Let's just stop for a moment. Let's just stop for about three years and not continue to keep working on the next best thing enough. But I do realize I have a condition and I believe I look like an idiot every time I walk into a store ready to make a big purchase, whether it's a car lot, technology, you name it, mattresses. I think a salesman looks at me and goes, look at this dope. He's going to go home with the first thing I point to. And they're right. Shit. I don't know what it is. All of a sudden, I have no discretion. I walk in and I have a game plan. It's immediately flushed away down the toilet. And I let these salespeople just sell me on things that sound great. That's good sales, right? Make somebody believe they need something that they don't really need. The guy's like, you got your LG uh, knee pads, right? I'm like, no. He's like, oh yeah, knee pads. Oh, because the coffee table, well, how, how big is your coffee table? I was like, two feet off the ground. Oh, no, no, no. You need the LG coffee table because it like rotates with the sound of the TV, which enhances your experience. And a lot of customers, they end up banging their knees on the LG coffee table. So let me just get you a pair of LG knee pads. And you got the HDMI cords, right? I go, nope. He goes, okay, that's 16 bucks. Let me just throw that in there. And he's like throwing it in a bag. It's like the opposite of Santa, putting all this stuff in a bag that I don't want, but that I apparently need. And guess who wins? You win, Best Buy. You win again. You can remain a store for another day because you keep preying on people like me. Poor little me. All right, now back to March Madness. Back to this tournament for a second. You know why it's really interesting? It's not really interesting because I have any ties to Purdue or Virginia. But when I'm sweating and on the edge of my couch for Purdue, Virginia, or any other university that I did not go to, it's not even totally because of my bracket. Sure, I put 10 bucks in a few pools and you hope you rise to the top. But it's because you could actually feel, you can feel how many people are gambling collectively on this tournament. People are going nuts. Favorites, overs, unders. I think it's the busiest weekend in Vegas because people feel the need to get to Vegas. Spend some time in that sports book. It makes you wonder, why is it even illegal? Why is it illegal? Why can't I just go to Bovada? 
at work. Place a little bet here, place a little bet there. I understand censoring all these websites, but gambling? Who declared it criminal on these Native American reservations? And I looked this up. There's about 460 casinos throughout the country on these Native American reservations. They generate $27 billion per year. $27 billion generated by having us just donate. That's what you're doing at a casino. What builds casinos? The losers. The people losing. So it causes people to go to Lake Tahoe. Causes people to take these big trips. Atlantic City, Las Vegas. But really, it's one of those things that I just can't fully understand why it's illegal. So on a Native American reservation, on their sovereign land, they found a way to generate a lot of cash. But if you tax it, wouldn't it be great for our economy? This just became the Expert Economist podcast. The number one thing you hear is, well, it's addictive. It's addictive? Great. Tobacco's legal. It's addictive. Alcohol, that'll damage more lives than betting on Purdue, Virginia. And if it's offshore websites, I get it, you can circumnavigate. Is that the word I'm going to use? Yeah. Or you could get around the laws. Just like anything illegal, just like most things illegal, if you want to do it, you'll be able to do it. But the idea that it just immediately leads to addiction for some people. You know what you're getting into. You're buying an experience. That's what gambling is. Sure, people could keep chasing it and chasing it and chasing it and going broke. I get it. But we've demonized it in a way that actually doesn't even make sense. It's a very small percentage of people who are going to get addicted. And people with addictive behavior, they'll get addicted to a lot of things, not just gambling. You can't make everything that people might get addicted to illegal. You know what I think it is, though? I think people are worried about riffraff. Because if you just are allowed to open up a casino anywhere, even in the neighborhood I live in, I guess I wouldn't want a casino. You know, we have a laundromat, we got cleaners, a Mexican restaurant, a sushi restaurant, a little market, a pizzeria. If somebody said, yeah, we're going to have a little casino, I'd go, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It sounds a little loud. So I guess I'm a hypocrite right there where I'm like, I want more casinos, but not in my neighborhood. But you got to love horse racing because people are putting on nice fedoras and getting dressed up. And betting on the ponies, all of a sudden it doesn't have that criminal aspect. It's still gambling. Playing the lottery is still gambling. Trying to put it into these categories of that's that's ugly criminal riffraff behavior. And that's, oh, that's prestigious Del Mar or Golden Gate Fields. Same exact concept. Take my money, let it ride. If gambling was truly illegal, and I mean like law enforcement, cops, or government really wanted to crack down on it. I mean, you'd be facing jail time if they caught you in a pool with brackets, people gambling. If all these websites, you know, sportsbook.net, bovada.lv or something, never.com, .rs, if all these were really like cracked down upon and people were not gambling on this tournament, do you realize how the ratings would plummet? It'd be insane how many people would not be interested. You would truly just have Purdue and Virginia fans watching last night's game. And maybe some people that just go, you know, I like competition. Yeah, me too. Me too. But it's just a smaller sliver of the population that would be tuning into all of these games. Instead, Vegas is going nuts. Casinos, sports books going nuts. People can't even focus at work. People are taking days off of work just to watch hoops. It's beautiful, but we just have to admit it's all in the name of gambling. It's not in the name of sport. 
So is this something nice that we do for the Native Americans who are pushed off their own land? Is this something nice? Or we go, okay, you can have casinos and we won't. I'm not going to give the American government that credit. I think the American government already proved, uh, yeah, they're not that nice to the Native Americans. They're not just going to throw them a bone and say, you get casinos, we'll keep it illegal. Actually, that'll probably change in the next five to ten years. There'll be casinos all over the place. Won't be illegal. You'll just be able to go on any website. Do it, do it, do it. Here's an app. Apple will monetize it. Do it, do it, do it. Speaking of monetizing, there's a YouTuber or a team of YouTubers uh, who put together like cartoons of historical events called Oversimplified, and they make it kind of funny. It's rated PG for the most part. It's perfect for 15-year-olds learning about wars. And I showed it a little clip of the World War II oversimplified cartoon to my students, and I realized they weren't using the swastika for the German flag. They are using the old German flag, and I was thinking, oh, how opportunistic. Would this be filtered as a hateful video if they were using the swastika? They have to soften it because they're trying to monetize that. They can't have it censored. And that's the moment where I thought, no, 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 no. If you're going to teach history, you can't soften it. That's why I warned my students, today's going to be heavy. I'm not going to candy coat it. When you teach the Holocaust, you actually have to teach about it. You have to show the footage. You have to get into the ugly, atrocious details. So oversimplified, I mean, it's good, it's entertaining, but eh. I don't know that we need to have such a PG approach to teaching history. I think it's okay for us to see the carnage, to see the gore. It's okay to learn the brutal reality of what has happened to so many people being oppressed in civilizations that have just been marginalized. If you try to soften it, the message will not get across. The one message I'm taking though lately, if you study history, I think most people that have studied history, they should probably gain some perspective. The perspective I'm gaining is I almost feel guilty for living without strife. I mean, I'm not in danger of an invasion. At least I don't feel that ever testament to our military testament to many things. But when you study how many societies have just been persecuted, how many family tree branches have just been sliced right off, demolished, goodbye through coups, through revolutions, through uprisings. I sit here in 2019 and sometimes I feel way too blessed and I realize that should elicit a joyful reaction, right? Oh, it just makes me happy. But instead, I don't know if it's like some sense of survivor's guilt. Like, sh- shouldn't I have a deeper appreciation for that? If you're alive right now and you're safe in 2019 and no one's invading your town and you're allowed to be you, you're allowed to be you. Whatever religion, whatever nationality, whatever sexual orientation, you're just allowed to be you in 2019 and you feel safe. You're in this category of some of the most fortunate humans in the history of this wild planet. And once you realize that, it's so insane that I worry about the things that I worry about or I get stressed about the things that I get stressed about. That's all Maslow's hierarchy. I think I talked about that. Once the bare minimum things are taken care of, we start climbing up, climbing up the pyramid, and then we start to complain about these little things like my TV broke. And the guy upsold me on the LG. Actually bugged me for a little while. Not to say people like me can't have problems, but perspective, it's a beautiful thing. 
the impermanence of stressful moments. That's what mindful meditation will teach you. It's all temporary. It's all temporary. Every feeling, every emotion, every interaction, every encounter, even this thing called life, all temporary. And for some reason, that should bring you relief. I heard on somebody else's podcast. I don't know who. I feel like I listen to too many right now. Got a lot going on. The old iTunes podcasts. Jumping around from Pete Holmes to Mark Marin, Bobby Lee, Fighter and the Kid, Theo Vaughn, then Theo Vaughn with Brennan Schaub, The King and the Sting. Then I listened to Chris Delia this morning, Delia this morning. Dave and Jeff, local San Diegans who have podcasts, still tune into a few of those down there. So I forget where I heard this, but someone brought up this theory that only 10% of our lives we're able to control. I know it's kind of arbitrary, but there's only 10% of the things that are going on in our lives that we can control. 90% is how we react. 90%. Let that stay with you. Let that marinate. Let that resonate. How powerless are we? Totally powerless. The amount of things I did not select yet now live with. I didn't say I'd like to be a boy. I didn't say I'd like to be attracted to girls. I didn't say I'd like to live in California. But the way we're born, so many things, and I think genetic makeup, I believe in nature, man. I know nurture, you could certainly say it's 50-50. No, I think nature is strong. So strong. So all these things, I was born this way things, way beyond our control. And I sit here today saying, what can I control? I guess the answer is your reactions. Your attitude about certain things, that's the challenge in life. To try to have reactions and an attitude about certain things, your reactions that make every day very manageable, that you can get through it. I think it's the people who feel powerless when it comes to just their feelings about certain things, they suffer. Those people suffer and they struggle and I get that. And there's not enough therapy in the world sometimes for people who are just like, it's too heavy. The weight is too heavy. I realize this is the topic of mental health, but the resources and tools out there, they're so popular now. People don't have to hide. That's a beautiful thing. So even though there's more of an emphasis on mental health, maybe than ever in the history of the world, it's now okay. People just speak freely now. Yeah, I see a therapist. Yeah, yoga, meditate, meditate, yoga, therapy, therapy, yoga, meditate, therapy. Self-help book, self-help book, motivational quote, all these things. People are just basking in it. People need it. Feed me this, feed me this, feed me this. As important as any subject right now, dealing with mental health. Honestly feel like there are so many bullet points I wanted to get to on this podcast, but I think because it's been over a week, just let it rip. Didn't even get to all these things I wrote down. Q102, the Bay Area throwback station. Why do these DJs feel the need to sound so urban? I've worked in buildings with FM hip-hop radio. These DJs, these FM hip-hop DJs, are the fakest of the fake. They don't actually talk like that. Bay Area number one throwback station. Just a balding white guy. Letting you know that Bone Thugs in Harmony is coming up after the break. But keeps it real youthful for the teens. What teens are listening to hip-hop radio? It's me. It's the 37-year-old guy who's hoping TLC Waterfalls is going to play. Give me a little run DMC. It's tricky. Q102.1 is the best. 
But the DJ's just screaming at you. Why? You, you don't have to use that voice anymore. It's us. It's the 37-year-olds. Who are you trying to impress? Just rein it in a little bit. I think on Q102, because now 90s hip-hop is considered old school, just know your crowd. It's us. 30s, 40s, and these people. We don't need the screaming anymore. We're not getting hyped. We're not getting hyped about anything. We've heard these songs thousands of times. So when you get all enthusiastic about letting me know, Ice Cube, good day, it's coming up. Oh, ho, ho, lace up your sneakers and get your act right because it's Ice Cube coming at you in full effect right now on Q102. No, we don't need it. We don't need it. It's a little much for a song we've heard a thousand times. Just chill out like the jazz DJs, like KDFC classical radio. We don't need it. All these things I wrote down, I didn't get to. I feel like it's getting a little long. Nate Bargatze saw his special on Netflix. It's very good. I like Nate Bargatze a lot, but just another example of a guy who's just doing stand-up. It's not as special. He did all of this material already on Late Night. And I still watch some of these late night clips. Fallon, Conan, Jimmy, James. It's always weird to think how many times a comedian does his bit. At that point you go, oh, he's just working. He's at work right now. Just going through the motions of this joke that can't be funny to him anymore. Can't. So by the time Nate Bargatze, the Tennessee kid, finally gets on the big Netflix stage, I actually thought the crowd was dead for his special. He's just reciting it. You know, he knows the timing. Knows where to drop in the punchline. Knows where to walk on stage. Just seemed like, you know, a guy doing a podcast. Or maybe not. Maybe not even that impressive as a good podcast. It just seemed so rehearsed. And it was very funny. But it's a shame that I already saw this. I guess I don't represent mainstream America. I'm too into stand-up. Too into it. I even heard a comedian named Andrew Santino who has a good podcast, Whiskey Ginger. I heard him saying, you know, Netflix, they're now going with Ellen DeGeneres and Ray Romano. You know, they're not exactly developing young comedians like young comedians were hoping. And they were saying there has to be another avenue, whether it's going to be Hulu or YouTube Plus, Vimeo. I don't know. They just said Netflix is kind of committed to a certain roster of about 10 to 14 comics. And once a year, they'll just churn out their specials. But it's not really launching careers like a lot of young comics hoped. They were complaining. You know, if you're a young comic and you're breaking in right now, how do you get more famous? The club circuit? Yeah. You got a podcast? Okay. But really, it's one of these Netflix specials. And the amount of comics that don't get them and they just get bitter and bitter and bitter and bitter when they see Ray Romano and Ellen DeGeneres getting their specials, they go, what about us? That's a tough world. I used to think stand-up comedy was the greatest lifestyle, going city to city, making people laugh. And the more you study it, the more you hear about it, it sounds like the darkest world. Not the actual job description. That's still fun. That's still fun. But just the competitive nature. So cutthroat. I don't think a lot of these guys cheer for one another. I don't. Kind of saw that in sports radio a little bit. Kind of saw that. At the radio stations I worked at, you know, you think everyone's friendly. Nah, I don't know. I don't know. Everyone in the building wants to have the mic in front of their face. Like you start to see the bitterness. You know, people are still nice to your face. Oh, hey, how are you? But behind your back, of course, they'd be happy to see you get the axe. Happy to see you get fired. Opportunities open when people get bounced. In comedy, you just feel that. When a young comedian pops through, what's a good example of that? Nate Bargatze. There you go. Nate Bargatze. I think he's my age. 
Is he amazingly funny? I don't know. He's smart. He's good. PG. Yeah, very funny. But there's probably hundreds of Nate Bargatze's who aren't getting those opportunities, who just hate to see Nate up there. I don't feel like that's a business with true camaraderie. Nor do I feel like you care. All right, I'm going to stop babbling. So that's it for today. Drop in a rating on iTunes if you're feeling it. Give me a follow on Twitter at jrosenberg957. I'll follow you back. Why not? Let's be friends. All right, that's episode 53. It's in the books. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.